Section twenty of Holidays at Roselands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Holidays at Roselands by Martha Finlay. Chapter fourteen, part one. Her world was ever joyous she thought of grief and pain as giants in the olden time that never would come again mrs hale's alice ray then all was jollity feasting and mirth rose jane shore it was with a start and a momentary feeling of perplexity as to her whereabouts followed almost instantly by the glad remembrance that she was indeed at home that the little elsie awoke the next morning she sat up in the bed and gazed about her everything had a new fresh look and an air of simple elegance that struck her as very charming a door on her right communicating with her father's sleeping apartment was slightly ajar and she could hear him moving about papa she called in her sweet silvery tones good morning daughter he said appearing in answer to her summons why how bright my little girl is looking this morning yes papa i feel so well and strong i do believe i can walk to the dining-room please may i get up now yes aunt chloe may dress you and call me when you're ready he replied bending down to give her a kiss chloe was just coming in from a small adjoining room which had been appropriated to her use and exclaimed with delight at her darling's bright looks dress her very nicely aunt chloe said mr dinsmore for i think it is quite possible we may have visitors to-day and besides i want her to look her best for my own enjoyment he added with a loving look and smile directed towards his little girl chloe promised to do her best and he seemed entirely satisfied with the result of her labours as well he might for elsie looked very lovely in her simple white dress and little embroidered pink sack which seemed to lend a faint tinge of colour to her pale cheeks she was tired though with the dressing and quite willing to give up her plan of walking to the dining-room and let her father carry her after breakfast he sat with her on his knee for a little while and then laying her on the sofa and giving her a kiss he told her he must leave her with chloe for an hour or two as he had some business matters to arrange with her grandfather after which he would take her to ride i wish you didn't have to go papa but please come back as soon as you can she said coaxingly i will darling and now aunt chloe i leave her in your care don't let her do anything to tire herself he said as he went out elsie listened until she heard the sound of his horse's hoofs as he galloped down the avenue and then turning to her nurse she exclaimed eagerly now mammy please hand me my work-box and that unfinished slipper yours not fit to sew darling child objected the careful old woman doing as she was asked nevertheless well mammy i want to try and i'll stop directly if it tires me replied the little girl please put me in my rocking-chair they are for papa you see and i want to get them done before christmas there's plenty of time yet before christmas darling to do that little bit chloe said tain't coming dis four or five weeks better wait till you get stronger elsie was not to be dissuaded however from making the attempt but a very few moments' work satisfied her that she was still too weak for such an employment, and she readily consented to let Chloe put away her work-box and lay her on her sofa again, 
where she spent the rest of the time in reading her Bible until her father returned. Then came her ride and then a nap, which took up all the morning until near dinner time. She found Mr. Travilla standing there, talking with her father, when she awoke. She was very glad to see him and to hear that he was going to stay for dinner, and they had quite a little chat together about the new home and its surroundings. After dinner, her Aunt Adelaide, Laura, and Walter called to see them and the house, but both they and Mr. Travilla went away early, he promising to bring his mother to see her very soon, and then she was left alone with her father again. "'Would you like now to hear the remainder of the story we were reading yesterday, daughter?' he asked. "'Very much, Papa. I have been wanting it all day.' "'Why did you not ask for it, then?' he inquired. "'Because, Papa, I was ashamed after being so naughty about it yesterday,' she answered, hanging her head and blushing deeply. "'Well, you shall have it now, daughter,' he said luridly, pressing his lips to the little blushing cheek. "'I had forgotten about it, or I would have given you the book to read while I was out this morning.' A very pleasant, happy life had now begun for our little Elsie. All her troubles seemed to be over, and she was surrounded by everything that heart could wish. Her father watched over her with the tenderest love and care, devoting the greater part of his time to her entertainment and instruction, sparing neither trouble nor expense to give her pleasure, and though still requiring unhesitating, cheerful obedience to his wishes and commands, yet ruling her not less gently than firmly. He never spoke to her now in a stern tone, and after a while she ceased to expect and dread it. Her health improved quite rapidly after their removal to the Oaks, and before Christmas came again she was entirely equal to a little stroll in the grounds or a short ride on her favourite pony. Her cheeks were becoming round and rosy again, and her hair had grown long enough to curl in soft, glossy little ringlets all over her head, and her father thought her almost prettier than ever. But he was very careful of her still, scarcely willing to have her a moment out of his sight, lest she should become over-fatigued, or her health be injured in some way. And he always accompanied her in her walks and rides, ever watching over her with the most unwearied love. As her health and strength returned, he permitted her, in accordance with her own wishes, gradually to resume her studies, and took great pleasure in instructing her. But he was very particular to see that she did not attempt too much, nor sit poring over her books when she needed exercise and recreation, as she was sometimes rather inclined to do. "'Master, there's a gentleman wants to speak to you,' said a servant, looking in at the study door one afternoon a few days before Christmas. "'Very well, John, show him into the library, and I will be there in a moment,' replied Mr. Dinsmore, putting down his book. He glanced at Elsie's little figure, half buried in the cushions of a great easy-chair near one of the windows, into which she had climbed more than an hour before, and where she had been sitting ever since, completely lost to all that might be going on about her, in the deep interest with which she was following the adventures of Fitz James in Scott's Lady of the Lake. "'Daughter, I'm afraid you are reading more today than is quite good for you,' he said, looking at his watch. You must put up your book very soon now, and go out for a walk. I shall probably be down in ten or fifteen minutes, but if I am not, you must not wait for me, but take Aunt Chloe with you. Yes, Papa, she replied, looking up from her book for an instant, and then returning to it again as he left the room. She had not the least intention of disobeying, but soon forgot everything else in the interest of her story. 
the stranger detained mr dinsmore much longer than he had expected and the short winter day was drawing rapidly to a close when he returned to his study to find elsie much to his surprise and displeasure precisely where he had left her she was not aware of his entrance until he was close beside her then looking up with a start she colored violently he gently took the book from her hand and laid it away then lifting her from her chair led her across the room where he seated himself upon the sofa and drawing her in between his knees regarded her with a look of grave sad displeasure has my little daughter any idea how long it is since her father bade her put up her book he asked in a gently reproving tone elsie hung her head in silence and a tear rolled quickly down her burning cheek it grieves me very much he said to find that my little girl can be so disobedient it almost makes me fear that she does not love me very much oh papa don't oh don't say that i can't bear to hear it she cried bursting into an agony of tears and sobs and hiding her face on his breast i do love you very much papa and i can't bear to think i've grieved you she sobbed i know i am very naughty and deserve to be punished but i didn't mean to disobey only the book was so interesting i didn't know at all how the time went he sighed but said nothing only drew her closer to him pulling his arm around her and stroking her hair in a gentle caressing way there was no sound for some moments but elsie sobs then she asked in a half whisper are you going to punish me papa i shall take the book from you for a few days i hope that will be punishment enough to make you pay better attention to my commands in future he said very gravely dear papa how kind you are i am sure i deserve a great deal worse punishment than that she exclaimed raising her head and looking up gratefully and lovingly into his face but i am very very sorry for my disobedience will you please forgive me i will daughter and he bent down and kissed her lips now go he said and get your cloak and hood I think we will still have time for a little stroll through the grounds before dark. Elsie had very little to say during their walk, but moved silently along by her father's side with her hand clasped in his, and he, too, seemed unusually abstracted. It was quite dusk when they entered the house again, and when the little girl returned to the study after Chloe had taken off her wrappings, she found her father seated in an easy chair, drawn up on one side of a bright wood fire that was blazing and crackling on the hearth. Elsie dearly loved the twilight hour, and it was one of her greatest pleasures to climb upon her father's knee and sit there talking or singing, or perhaps oftener just laying her head down on his breast and watching the play of the firelight on the carpet, or the leaping of the flames hither and thither. Mr. Dinsmore sat leaning back in his chair, apparently in deep thought, and did not hear Elsie's slight step. She paused for one instant in the doorway, casting a wistful longing look at him, then, with a little sigh, walked softly to the other side of the fireplace and seated herself in her little rocking chair. For several minutes she sat very quietly gazing into the fire, her little face wearing a very sober, thoughtful look but she was startled out of her reverie by the sound of her father's voice. "'Why am I not to have my little girl on my knee to-night?' he was asking. She rose instantly, in a quick, eager way, and ran to him. "'If you prefer the rocking-chair, stay there, by all means,' he said. But she had already climbed to her accustomed seat, and twining her arms around his neck, she laid her cheek to his, saying, "'No, indeed, papa, you know I don't like the rocking-chair half so well as your knee.' so please let me stay here why did you not come here at first then he asked in a playful tone because i was afraid papa she whispered 
afraid he repeated with an accent of surprise and looking as if he felt a little hurt yes papa she answered in a low tone because i have been so very naughty this afternoon that i know i don't deserve to come did you not hear me say i forgave you he asked yes papa very well then if you are forgiven you are taken back into favour just as if you had not transgressed and if you had quite believed me you would have come to me at once and claimed a daughter's privilege as usual he said very gravely i do believe you papa i know you always speak the truth and mean just what you say she replied in half tearful tones but i know i don't deserve a place on your knee to-night what you deserve is not the question at present we are talking about what you can have whether you deserve it or not ah he continued in a low musing tone more as if thinking aloud than speaking to her just so it is with us all in reference to our heavenly father's forgiveness when he offers us a full and free pardon to all our offences and adoption into his family we don't more than half believe him but still go about groaning under the burden of our sins and afraid to claim the privileges of children it hurts and displeases me when my child doubts my word and yet how often i dishonour my father by doubting his he that believeth not god maketh him a liar without faith it is impossible to please him he relapsed into silence and for some moments neither of them spoke he was passing his hand caressingly over her hair and she resting in his arms and gazing thoughtfully into the fire what is my little one thinking of he asked at last i was thinking what a very naughty girl i've been this afternoon and what a dear kind papa i have she said looking up lovingly into his face you were so kind papa not to punish me as i deserved i was afraid you would send me directly to bed and i should miss my pleasant evening with you i hope my darling he answered gently that you do not think when i punish you it is from anything like a feeling of revenge or because i take pleasure in giving you pain not at all i do it for your own good and in this instance as i thought you were sorry enough for having grieved and displeased me to keep you from repeating the offence i did not consider any further punishment necessary but perhaps i was mistaken and it was only fear of punishment that caused your tears he added looking keenly at her oh no papa no indeed she exclaimed earnestly the tears rushing into her eyes again it is worse than any punishment to know that i have grieved and displeased you because i love you so very very dearly and the little arm crept around his neck again and the soft cheek was laid to his i know it darling he said i fully believe that you would prefer any physical suffering to the pain of my displeasure papa she said after a few moments silence i want to tell you something well daughter i am ready to listen he answered pleasantly what is it i was looking in my desk to-day papa for a letter that i wrote to you the evening before i was taken sick and i couldn't find it did aunt adelaide give it to you yes dear i have it and one of your curls he said pressing her closer to him yes papa that was what i wanted to tell you about i am afraid i was very naughty to cut it off after all you said about it last christmas but everything was so strange that night it feels like a dreadful dream to me now i don't think i was quite in my right mind sometimes and i thought i was going to die and something seemed to tell me that you would want some of my hair when i was gone and that nobody would save it for you and so i cut it off myself you do not mind about it papa dear do you you don't think it was very very naughty in me she asked anxiously no darling no it was very right and kind and much more than i deserved he answered with emotion i am glad you are not angry papa 
she said in a relieved tone, and indeed I did not mean to be naughty or disobedient. John was just bringing in the lights, and Mr. Dinsmore took a note from his pocket, saying, I will read this to you, daughter, as it concerns you, as well as myself. It was an invitation from Mrs. Howard, the mother of Elsie's friend, Caroline, to Mr. Dinsmore and his little girl, to come and spend the Christmas holidays with them. End of chapter 14, part 1